He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Here comes Eddie. Not got much help. Oh, he doesn't need any help. How about that? Portugal. And tonight they've been simply magnificent. Champions of Europe 2016. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Portuguese Football Show. Brought to you by Prossi Mijonada and as always hosted by myself, Aaron Barton and Philippe Mello. Philippe, how's it going? Good, brother, and you? Everything yeah. alright? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, the Premier League is where we'll start off. As usual, the lot of interesting stories, both at the top of the table and at the bottom of the table. And especially in the last couple of days, maybe last week, uh, lots of fixtures have uh, had lots riding on them. And there was another game, we'll start off, uh, the game that's literally just finished about an hour ago. Ruben Amarim Sporting played uh, against Nacional. They ran out 2-0 winners eventually. The um, two late, Another two late goals, something that Sporting have, have sort of developed a bit of a pension for this season, uh, especially goals coming from defenders. I actually made a post on Prossimo Janada before to say that 26 what amazing post he was. It was a very, very good post, very good statistic. 26% of Sporting's goals this season have came from central defenders so not just defenders so we're not including the likes of Pedro Porro and Nuno Mendes this is just central defenders so uh, Fidal uh, Luis Neto uh, Gonzalo Nacio and and obviously uh, Goleador (laughs) Sebastian Quartz so yeah absolutely amazing stuff and in terms of another another couple of goals in this in this case scored after the 80th minute they've they've really got a knack of of playing into that final whistle and it's something that you associate champions with and although they're not champions yet officially you feel those 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 type of performances when they keep knocking at the door late into the game and and again it it paid off for them it was a um, it was a game that sporting had 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 the better of it and, and the goals were coming to be fair the fact that they came so late will be what disappointed you know or, or will disappoint most sporting fans and I'm sure Ruben Amarim would have liked the game to have been wrapped up a little bit earlier rather than leaving it late and actually you know having a little bit of that anxiety going into the last 10 minutes but they got the job done nonetheless and we're looking at the table now uh, Sporting at that's six points Buffer has been restored after Porto's win yesterday, which we'll come to. Uh, so, yeah, six points clear, ten points clear of Benfica. So, it's uh, it's looking good, to be honest, going into the into the last couple of games for Ruben Amarim's men. Philippe, just firstly, just on the on the game itself and then also the ramifications it has on, on, the, uh, on that Liga Nost trophy. Yeah, um, on the game itself, I think it was a game that, to be fair, I think Sporting could have uh, done it a lot earlier, to be to be honest. I think Nacional, it's weird because you might think that Nacional defended well because they were able to push the first goal from Sporting until the 82nd minute, the 81st minute, when they're already playing with 10. 
but looking at the game, Sporting created enough chances to to score. Um, because obviously Nacional play with the back three, with they went uh, man for man with the front three of Sporting, which first of all create a lot of chances of um, duels where Nacional made a lot of falls to to slow the tempo of the game. But then there was a lot of times where Pedro Gonçalves especially found himself in very good areas because Rui Correia was not able to follow him as closely. So I I I I think it's one of those games that. The scoreline tells you they score late, and you might think it was it was Nacional defended well, but honestly, I don't think they defended that well because they had to do a lot of falls. Like I said in the beginning, there was a few chances where Sporting could could score from Pedro. Then a lot of times where Sporting was able to open the game, uh, both on the left and on the right, where Nuno Mendes and Pedro Paul had chances to to make crosses in the box, but the final pass was not was not there. So I think to be honest, it was. It, Easy win as it can be. Uh, I think uh, Nacional just just uh, not good enough to 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 be honest. To even to find this game plan, they they made a lot of uh, mistakes where you would expect them not to not to make. In terms of the leagues, like we said on the last pod, if Sporting was able to make the six points, um, I I would think it would it would be done. They made four now with these three, obviously uh, seven. They have six points ahead of Porto. Porto next weekend, or midweek actually, goes and plays against Benfica. Sporting before that plays against Rio Ave. If Sporting wins, then the pressure on Porto will be will be uh, very, very high for, for the Benfica game because for one hand, they will might look at Sporting and think it's, uh, it's already too far because if Sporting wins, it will be nine points from when Porto starts the game and I imagine they'd be thinking if they should go and press high and try to do what Porto did against Famalicão uh, when they play Benfica and try to win or they'll think okay the first place is already too far let's make sure we don't lose against Benfica to keep these four points for the last three games so that's going to be very interesting to see but in terms of the league to be honest mm-hmm. Sp- sporting easters don't don't uh, <laughs> don't like to say that uh, but honestly i think i think it's uh it's it's, it's, it's done yeah i don't, I don't yeah. see porto being able to catch up now yeah i feel like this too did not only having to go and win their own games in terms of the run of fixtures they've got, and as you mentioned there, Benfica away coming up next. Who Sporting have obviously got to go and play as well, but you make a good point there about sort of looking at the Benfica game and thinking, right, do we do we concede defeat in terms of the title and try and play for what's actually on offer? Because as I say, you make a good point if if Porto go there and they go with the wrong game plan and end up losing, Benfica go to sixty nine points, which is just one point off. They'll never want to say it's done until it's done, and they won't want to approach the game with the mentality of try and go ahead, but not be too overly, you know, not be not be too overt in terms of their attacking because they they won't want to get caught, and they won't want to put themselves, you know, they be vulnerable against the Benfica side that's capable of. You know, they've won four of the last five games. They're capable. They've got players who are more than capable. Definitely interesting. And that, to be honest, that's something I want to move on to. Uh, the sporting game, you wrapped it up. We covered it quite well, to be honest, in, in terms of, again, how many times have we said they, they've had to to play and get the job done? And as as I said, and then you, you, you also said there, it wasn't so much one of those games where 
they defended, you know, stoutly for 80 minutes and then finally just caved in. It could have been a lot more. On another day, it probably would have been, but I suppose that's football. And, yeah, I just think going into the sort of race for that Champions League um, automatic place, obviously, as, as, as we know, first and second qualify automatically for the group stages of the Champions League. So we say first place is already gone. Uh, to Sporting and then so we've got the second places at the moment is Porto who are currently four points ahead of Benfica Benfica won't want to be in that third place because it means you have to obviously play the playoff uh, it also means it affects what you do in the summer it affects your plans for the season because as we saw last season uh, with the qualifier for Benfica that didn't go so well they ended up dropping into the Europa League uh, it can have it can have an impact on, on your budget. It can have an impact in terms of the players you go out and sign and the calibre of player that you go out and sign, especially if you're putting all your eggs in the Champions League basket, as it were. You play that qualifier and, you know, sort of anything can happen over the course of a qualifying match. And before you know it, you may be, you know, staying at Europa League rather than Champions League and, and the financial disparity between the two is, is so great that it does have ramifications... And we saw that with Benfica this season. They they were going all out sort of for for the Champions League and it didn't quite come off for them. Uh, I think they were still reeling from that, especially, you know, in the, f- the first couple of months of the season. So definitely a reason to try and get into the automatic places. And they'll be thinking with games, you know, against Porto, six pointers. Uh, they can do it and then obviously the game against Sporting as well they'll want to get one over on the City rivals even if you know they, they have the league title beating them in the derby especially at home will uh, will be something for them to, to take pride in so definitely an interesting one and I want to move on to the Porto game because it was an entertaining game and it was a it was a game especially towards the end we saw Familiar cow come right back into it, but just before I even speak about the game itself, when the teams came out, you saw something that we predicted that was going to happen, and that's that's um, they opted to, ch- to change it up a little bit. It looked like Porto had ran themselves into the ground in the last couple of months, you know, with the Champions League and then uh, Premier League in itself. And the, I think to be honest, the title looking like it was gone, and then it coming back into the picture will have also had an impact because if they felt like the league was still gone and that you know that points gap was still sitting around 10 or possibly even more Porto then perhaps you know take the foot off the gas a little bit uh, subconsciously without even thinking about it um in terms of going for the title and just making sure that they turn up and be professional but I think the fact that they've been playing with so much um hunger to try and actually catch up and close that gap running themselves into the ground basically for the past past month or two and we we've saw that we saw that in the game against Morinense and he he decided to go with some changes uh she Kunsasau started uh Marco Gruic came in and started uh Tony Martinez came in started Diogo Leite started uh, these are all players that usually you would see them with the exception maybe of Gruic. He's been starting a bit more, starting in the Champions League in, in Sergio Oliveira's absence. But these are players who usually, you know, on the bench and come in perhaps in the second half. So they changed it up to try and go with a bit more of a bit more of a fresh approach. Um and it, it looked to to be paying off, especially earlier on, early early on in the game, sorry, in the first half. Tony Martinez, poor 
the Dragon Seven. Uh, I got one nil up after seven minutes, and then game pretty much sort of uh, it, it then got a little bit like basketball at times. It was going from from one end to the other, and Familiacau did look dangerous. Uh, they ended up equalising in the half, and then as I say, the second half is where it got a little bit interesting. Medi Taremi um, scored after just on the hour mark um, from the penalty spot, and then. Marco Gruwich with his first goal for the club. Uh, it was a fine header, to be fair. Um, yeah, looked like it looked like it was Diogo Lights all day, and he sort of just came out of nowhere and and arrowed it into the corner. And then Familiacao getting that that late goal, Anderson, uh, just just on round about 89, 90 minutes. Uh, looked like there was a little bit of hope, but but unfortunately for Familiacao, it wasn't enough. But say it was a game, it was an entertaining game. Um, tactically it was an interesting one I know Philippe will probably have something to say about that and, and again it was another game where Porto were giving, giving themselves an uphill task because even at 3-1 as soon as they conceded to go to, to 3-2 you know it was a nervous couple of minutes and, and they can never seem to just get the get the, get the job done in the, in the easiest of fashions you know get to 3-1 and possibly get to 4-1 and then just not have to worry but credit to Familiacau for trying to come back that um, that performance but Philippe, what did, what did you make of the, the Porto game um, in terms of, say, tactically, but also in terms of the um, the the changes that, I'd say Contessao, but he actually wasn't on the on the touchline, but the, the changes that Porto, Porto made, did you think it had an impact on the performance and did you think that the players who were chosen to come in, did you think they give the manager anything to think about in terms of starting games in the future? I think the changes were the obvious ones. So, <clears throat> like we we spoke um, a few weeks ago, which was the the amount of games Porto is going to be playing, it would you would need them to to make changes. So in the game against uh, Murerens as well, where they draw and and there was a very very tired team. The only surprise that I had it was the fact that Corona started because it was. Now it's easy to say because obviously he got injured, but everyone watching the game um, on the weekend against Mureirense, you could see that he was not 100% fit. So I was very surprised that he started. Chico Conceição, he was, I think he should have started earlier in the season, even though he didn't have a, a very good first half. Tony Martinez completely deserved started. It made sense in this game as well to, to rest Marega because I think Marega is going to have a, a key role against Benfica. And in this game where we would assume Porto would have more of the ball, play with Tony Martinez more as a, a reference in the front, allow uh, Taremi in the first half to be qu- quite free. And you saw sometimes Taremi coming a lot from the left, pulling inside to try to try shot because uh, being not being that central figure in the middle allow him to be more free. Diogo Leite obviously for Pep they couldn't play. So I wasn't I wasn't surprised by that. Like I said, my only surprise was Corona. Even though obviously Carrasa got uh, I don't know if he was injured or something in the warm-up so he could not even be on the bench. He meant Zaidu was in the bench and he had to come on when he was clearly not fit to play. So I think that uh fullback position was was a problem i still think would probably made more sense because like i said before i think it was clear that corona was not fit uh play even with sars a left back and manafa on on the right um because um to save corona from from a possible injury they end up having about the first half i found it very very cool in terms of how porto uh, planned the game as in 
the three in the middle. So Taremi didn't play as a, as a as a striker alongside Martinez in the in the first half. He played more as on the left because Manafa was doing all the wing, and then he had uh, Grujic, uh, Oribe, and Otavio in the middle to make a three v three against the the midfield from Famalicão. Uh, I like the fact that the she Conceição was really out open on the on the right to pull in his left foot, which allowed in the first twenty minutes Corona to try to have a bit more space going forward inside. So I thought there was. That was well thought because obviously family can't play with Calvin, which was is uh, as a, a fullback. They haven't not many minutes this season, so it could that was the area that Porto tried to explore more. And then in the second half, he went back into a more normal four four two, where the game I think was quite controlled for family when the when the penalty came. Of course, Porto had more of the ball, but they were not really creating many chances until the penalty, and then there was that period of around 10 minutes where the penalty came and then the free kick with the goal of Kucic uh, came as well, which everyone thought the game was over. I was ready to go, <laughs> go to bed <laughs> when Famalico ended up scoring the 3-2 the and then they had the, the three corners at the end of the of the game. But uh, it was it, I liked it the first half because of the difference where Porto show up in the second part, uh, in the second half, even though they made the changes and they end up scoring the the two goals. Um, it was more of a normal Porto performance, uh, to be fair. But but I, I still think there's a lot of players they are completely um, way over their 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 limits. I think Manafa is not going through a good moment either because of. Uh, his, his physical ability is going down. I think Mbemba yeah. as well. I think he's probably playing in the limits as well by now. Um, Uribe, just a different case because he can do... <laughs> I think he can play another season after this one and <laughs> keep the same amazing <laughs> level. But but especially, I think it was very smart from him to, to drop Marega to make sure he's fit because against Benfica and we yeah. can play um, in a... Uh, in a, in a bit later, I think he's going to be all about Mareg in that game. Yeah, it makes sense. You made a good point there about uh, Tony Martinez and, and Musa Marega in terms of two very different players and, and two players that you that will operate depending on, on the team that they're playing against. And you mentioned there, against the side where you think Porto is supposed to, well, are they, you know, you'd expect them to have a lot of the ball and to be playing uh, in front of the Familicao defence. Musa Marega probably not the best in those in those situations because you want him really with space in behind. You want him to be able to use his, his physicality and his speed uh, and sort of attack that way. Whereas, as you say, when you've sort of playing pretty much with your back to goal uh, and there's no space in behind, it, it, it can nullify a player like that. Whereas, as you say, Tony Martinez, he, he complimented Tiremi well. And as you say, he wasn't playing in that sort of... Four four two natural, you know, number nine role alongside him. He was shifted more out wide, and it was interesting to be fair. I like the fact that they went with something a little bit different, and although they did sort of return to what you'd call that that vintage Conceição Porto, it was was interesting to see how they started out. And as I say, getting that early goal, I really thought it might have been a match where Porto went out and just put a bit of a marker down. At, uh, you know, one of those sort of performances you look back on and think. Yeah, they meant business there, and and it it didn't. I mean, in terms of the scoreline, it didn't didn't really turn out to be that way. And 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 Familicao did enjoy spells where they um, they were in control. They 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 looked for as I say short periods. 
uh, and then obviously getting the goal at the end and and you um, you mentioned there the three corners you're thinking you know for for Porto fans I'm I'm sure those those minutes uh, would have felt like they were like they were hours and um, but yeah the the it was a very interesting game both both tactically and in terms of what it means for the title just before I move away from from that top three the uh, I'm sorry before we talk a little bit about the Benfica game in terms of going into the game Porto and Benfica have got to play each other. There's four points in it at the moment. Uh, automatic Champions League spot. Who is your money going on, Philippe? I, I just thought I'd get your your take on that. Who who if you had to put money on them now? I would. Um, it's hard. I, I would still go for for Porto because I honestly think they will depend a lot on how they're gonna think the game against Benfica, but. For me, it looks very clear that how can they exploit uh, Benfica weaknesses because I can look at Benfica and see their weaknesses and then look at Porto and see their strengths and they almost match. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, ma- it's what, a match-up, what, isn't it? Yeah, so when it happens, it's, it's hard to go against uh, against Porto because, uh, yeah, but then if Porto tries to go and think, okay, we still have a chance, a chance to win the title and they go and pressly like press like crazy and not really play to their strengths against Benfica then it will be be different obviously physically is, is my as well a biggest issue but I still go for for Porto it's it's hard for me because we we don't even know which Benfica going to turn up as yeah, well because it's such a team that goes from 80 in the same game and we're going to spoke now uh, going to speak now uh, about Tondela game and in the first 20 minutes was one of the best Benficas of the season. And yeah. then the other, especially the second half, you could think Tondela, if they score here, they're going to draw the game because Tondela was clearly over Benfica and they had so many good chances. So it's hard to predict. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and we'll move on to that that game before we go to the um, the other end of the table. They ran out 2-0 winners uh, away at Tondela. But as you say, the that sort of first, yeah, 20, 25 minutes... They scored both the goals in in that time. They had the um, busy goal and and then the the Everton uh, Sebolina goal, which is an absolute cracker. If you haven't saw that, go and uh, go and watch that. Go and find that on on social media, on Twitter, or on V Sports. That was an absolute belter. Um, and they had a couple of other chances. The Seferovic, I think, after maybe ten or fifteen minutes, there was a a chance uh, which cut across. Type of miss that he's. He's pulled off a couple of times this season. Yeah, he had won the same thing last week. Yeah, it always seems to just bobble up in front of him and he just makes a hash of it. And I always think when you watch those slow motion replays, they always look harsher. They always look a little bit worse. Cause no, obviously there's, when... there's one thing that, that annoys me on him and, and annoys me as well that I'm pretty sure all the coaches already told him they keeps doing this, which is his last strike before he makes contact with the ball. Is always the overreach. Yes, that's why yeah, the ball always yeah, yeah, goes yeah. up because his back <laughs> is it's leaning too much back. backlift, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, so it like you need to keep your strength in the last one or the last two before you make contact. Need to be shorter to make sure you have absolutely control of your body. And he does that every single time that he hits the ball, the last one, because he wants to get if he wants to make sure he gets there on time. Yeah, it's so long that then his contact is never strong, and it's very annoying because I'm pretty sure. Every coach in the past already told him this. <laughs> <laughs> be, if he didn't change so far, he's not going to change it. 
No, no. I think he, yeah, he's he's pretty much the finished article now, isn't he? <laughs> but in terms yes. of like, it is it's frustr- He's frustrating because the reason why he scores so many goals and the reason why he's Benfica's top scorer and the reason why he will constantly be at the top or near the top of top go- top scorer chart is because the man knows where he needs to be on a football pitch. That's why he puts yeah. the ball in the back of the net. But he then, reads the game well. Exactly, but then that that's what's also f- so frustrating because you you speak about like the misses and stuff and then you think for him to even have that many misses means he's been in that opportunity, he's been in that position to score. Now, a player who's not him may not have as many misses but they probably don't have as many chances as he does as well because he does as you say read the game well he knows when to especially when crosses are coming in he has a great knack of knowing when to to drop off and knowing what post to go to knowing exactly where in the box he needs to be and yeah I suppose you have more chances you're going to miss more chances it's just a lot of averages but no that's a very good point about the um, about that sort of it always looks like he's dying to get to the ball as if like it's the last minute and it's just stretching out he needs to just be a bit more <laughs> bit more composed but yeah and then after the yeah after the two goals they, they both went in under 20 minutes and then I think they had, a, they had a couple more minutes I think it was to about the 25th minute and then yeah the Sort of, we saw this Jekyll and Hyde that we speak about uh, about Benfica sort of come out a little bit, and and to be honest, in the second half they had chances as well. It wasn't like for the next seventy minutes it was all Tom Dellett. It wasn't that, but the the performance level just it just changed completely, and 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 I I, I struggle sometimes with with Benfica to figure out how how they because a lot of teams you can talk about their consistency and it's usually because they'll win a game, draw a game, lose a game, win a game, draw a game, lose a game. Benfica, their consistency, they change within games. Like, like they, they will literally put in a completely different performance for, for half an hour and then put another performance in and look completely different for the rest of the game. And obviously, football is all about spells and you have spells of possession and periods. But Benfica are one of those teams where they will look like a completely different team for, for say, the second half. And it is it is bizarre to watch. But, Philippe, what what did you make of the game itself? Yeah, the the for me, the most interesting thing was the first 20 minutes, which was obviously because Otamendi wasn't um, playing because of the yellow card. Uh, he went back on a, on a two centre backs, but with the ball, the dynamics were the same as with three centre backs because Gabriel was dropping uh, between Lucas and uh, and Vertonghen. Uh, then, obviously, they played with Seferovic up front. They had Luke and Rafa coming inside quite a lot with Everton as well, and then out, out wide would be uh, Grimaldo and um, and Gilbert, which replaced uh, Diogo Gonçalves, thinking clearly as well about uh, the game on on Thursday. On the first goal is something that I would like to to point out, which is incredible for a team that on the first ten minutes to make this type of mistake is <laughs> it is is quite shocking, and I think uh, the the manager of Tondela must be must be have been screaming in that moment because when the ball gets to Everton, if people want to and bother to go back and watch watch the first goal, you have a six v six inside the box of Tondela. Which you think with eleven minutes play to have a six against six inside your own box is just, so just crazy. <laughs> yes, you cannot be yourself. Like you have uh, Jean Pedro, I think he is uh, dropping back, watching the scenario in front of him, and he doesn't think, okay, I might have to make a run here to to cover because otherwise Pizzi is gonna and like he was open on the second post, on the, on a far post. 
Um, so yeah, and 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 how they they play, uh, Everton was always able to find space between the lines because Sondela played uh, with two two lines of four, and there was a, quite a lot of space to play between the lines. But then, like you said, in, after the twenty minutes, I don't think they might start thinking. To be honest, in the game against Porto, and think, okay, we don't need to. We're already winning two nil. Um, we don't need to to keep uh, the foot on the gas to to go all the way. And then in second half, Mario Gonzalez had a, had a few good chances, and that's something that I think. Uh, Sergio Conceição will be looking how they create these chances because he was always from a ball from a, a central position to open up a white and then find Mario Gonzalez making a run in the middle. And if I replace it here, uh, Rafael Barbosa from uh, Uribe or Sergio Oliveira, a Salvador Agar, that's why I said to to think about Marega as a, as a key figure, which is Marega making these runs and, and stretching uh, the space between Grimaldo and Vertogen. And then you have Taremi making a run in the middle. If Benfica find themselves like they found themselves against Tondela on the back foot against better players uh, in Porto, then there will be a, a big problem. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically the last, the second half was if Tondela had score, it would be a very interesting end of the game to see how Benfica could bring back a gear and 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 start playing again. But otherwise, you could see that Benfica players just. Happy to let the game go. Tondela created three good chances, but they couldn't score. I think even if they were dead today, they still not be able to score. It's just one of those second halves a bit boring after a while because you could see that not much would, would happen. But it was yeah. interesting to see how Jesus uh, um, changed a little bit without changing the dynamics. That's why when we speak about tactics, he needs to be careful not to be just uh, numbers. It needs to be a dynamic or sub dynamic inside the game. And then on the other side, you could see how Tondela exploited um, the spaces that Benfica left and think about from if this is Porto, uh, it will be it will be interesting to see. See, in these sides, especially the fact that they've got to go up against each other, the, the two sides we've just spoken about there, Porto and then, and then Benfica, it's going to be such a fascinating game. I think it's almost a shame that the season say not over because obviously the, the second and third place is still on relegation still on that Europa League place is still on there's still lots of play for but the, the, in terms of the title because obviously Benfica have got to play Porto and then they also host Sporting at the top it would have been a bit interesting if a bit more interesting sorry because it'll still be a very fiery game and you know you don't have to worry about that in terms of if the points at the top were, were a little bit they didn't have much of a gap, and also if, if Benfica were also still in the equation as well as Porto, seeing having to host those two games, potential title deciders, it's almost a, so it's almost a shame that Sporting have been so good and managed to run away with it at times, and, and <laughs> have now pushed themselves back to to six points ahead. But just you're gonna have a lot of uh, Sporting fans uh, against you now. Oh yeah, yeah, they'll be saying. By oh, sentence, yeah, listen. Uh... <laughs> It's, it's a, a bit of a shame. Sporting yeah, being so good. That's from a neutral, that's from a neutral perspective. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, if if uh, if there's ever a win to win the title, especially for for Sporting Easters who've had to wait so long, then it is it is by you know getting yourself six points ahead. Because to be honest, and I've got lots of friends who are Sporting Easters. I don't. I think if it was one of those titles where there was only one point in it, I don't think they're hard to take it. To be honest, because they <laughs> even even at, at like ten points, the, some of my mates were having heart palpitations. Like 
you know, what if what if this happens and then this happens and then this leads to this? And it's like, you're making up hypothetical situations. Like, if you're not confident with a 10-point lead, and even now with a 6-point lead, I mean, you can say, you know, it's... it's they it's still almost, not, not... Oh, not no, yeah, no, not, at, not <laughs> at all. So, yeah, I think... I think it's it's for the good in some ways that they've actually got a bit of a lead at the top because as I say, if, if this was going down to the last day of the season, he was like a point in it. Oh no, I think I think there'd be some heart attacks in the in the Lisbon region and beyond. But, uh, <laughs> but um, the just going from I just want to do the in terms of the the teams near the bottom because there was some. Good games, there were some poor games, but just as like a wrap up, just for 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 the relegation, I'm going to go through the results uh, first of all, and then we'll speak a little bit about because one of the games is 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 was very interesting, and another one for for another reason. Aside, I want to touch on. Um, so in terms of the 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 rest of the results in the last um in the last day or two, uh, today we had quite a few uh, quite a few draws today. There was. Portimonense was the um, was the earlier game kicked off at six. They drew nil nil to Chioav. Chioav uh, are a team that got to keep your eye on in terms of what's going on in the in the relegation zone because they look like, especially with the fixtures they've got coming up, that they could easily uh, be dragged even further into this. The, their league position at the minute, so it gives you that false sense of of uh, of of security in terms in terms of you think fourteenth place you know but it's so tight down there that they can easily drop drop into where Bovista or or even friends are um and then the 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 other fixtures the nil nil Gilvesent uh, and friends I get and another game that's perhaps passed them passed them by thinking that they should have um, should have got a little bit more from it the the Faro side that is and then Santa Clara three three with Bovista. By far one of the most entertaining games of of this Jonada, and then the first game to kick off the the match week a su- well a surprise win I say surprise win but to be fair we actually did a a bit of a um, a breakdown of Julio Velasquez as a sort of impact since he came into Maritimo especially as his pension for one nil wins he absolutely loves them but it came against. Braga and as I say, surprising but also at the same time, you're looking at Braga's results and uh, just one win in the last five for for Braga there, Philippe, with that team we've spoken about in terms of when they were in the Europa League and they were playing constantly, it almost felt like it was keeping them going, it was keeping the energy in the legs and they were going into each game sort of uh, with with that attacking intense and and it's sort of just fizzled out a little bit for them but yeah. ju- just before we we get on to that as i say we've um, a lot of the teams there national just going from the table from 18th place upwards <coughs> going up towards the table uh, the top of the table national friends bovista familical gioav silvicent maritimo when we done the rele- the relegation pod a few a couple of months ago maybe uh, we spoke about 34-35 as being safe, and yeah. I still think because Boavista is on the 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 playoff places 29, 29 with 12 yeah. points to play, there will be six points to get 34. They might do those six points, but it's hard to think that Bulnes or Pertinens don't make no. any points yeah. until the yeah. end of the season. So I think if you are 34 now, you are safe. Yeah. Underneath that, then then um, then I still. S- 
What about Maritimo? What are, I mean, they're. The I team. don't think they they still. They no, still I don't. Safe. Ooh, <laughs> that's All that's right. that's actually something I want I want to get on because I I think they were in such a precarious position and they've I think form wise they do deserve credit they do deserve us to to um to actually praise the reason for them they've four they've actually four wins in the last five that's they're up there with the most informed team in the league because I think uh, Sporting have only had three wins in the last five uh, Porto and Benfica have both had four wins in the last five and and then also Maritimo so those three sides um, just uh, you know a turn around they've actually they've actually won 10, 10 games and if you look at the teams that are around them we spoke about this uh, on the relegation pod I think it was and we were speaking about how important um drawing games and winning games but in terms of there's a lot of teams who've got themselves in the position in the league where they are because they they managed to draw a lot of games uh, and obviously avoid defeat so when they know that they you know they can't possibly get anything can they grind it out can they get a draw now Maritimo have just threw that book out the window they've they've drawn three games all season <laughs> compare that to the compare that to the teams around them Gio have drawn 13 they've drawn 10 more games than them familiar cow 10 draws both east the 10 draws um you know it's 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 insane and then you you look at Maritimo they've drawn three games I think the least amount of draws in the table yeah it's the least amount just had a look at the table the least amount but then you look at the win column and you think they've won 10 games, which is more than anyone around them, basically. They've won more than the likes of Morenens, Porto Morenens, Belenenses-Sad, Gilvesen, Gioav, Familicao. So, to be fair, I think they deserve credit in, in, in terms of the fact that if you're a team who's in and around the relegation zone and someone comes into your club and, and, and buoys you up to the point where you can get you know 12 points from your last 15, that's, it's, it's incredible. That's It's an incredible turn of... Turn of fortunes for a side that I thought were, were were done. To be honest, I I thought Nacional and Maritimo would have would have both been gone. We spoke about it on the podcast when we we said when was the last time that you know neither Madeira club were in within the Premier League. So do you think? Well, you you think there's still there's still there's still something in there. You think there's still a chance they could go down? Yeah, I think so because <laughs> I honestly you sound confident. I I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I have something against Maritima. I don't really. Uh, but um, I would not be surprised if they don't win any more games until the end of the season. Honestly, in the last four games, <laughs> I, I, w- I would not be surprised because they are winning games, but they're winning games always by one goal difference, which fair price sporting <laughs> is doing that for most of, of, of the season. But... Um, I think so. They have Gil Vicente, Passos, Guimarães, and Sporting. Uh, Gil Vicente will be a very important game because if we have a win from Gil Vicente or Maritim, uh, if Maritim wins, then then they'll be safe. But Gil Vicente will need a win. And I, to be fair, I like Gil Vicente how they play. Um, then Passos, they are through a very, very bad uh, patch of form, but they're eventually going to win a game. <laughs> yeah, tough spell. It's been a really it's, tough spell. Yeah, eventually them, they, they're going to turn around. It's going to have to turn around at some point, isn't it? Yeah. Guimarães will depend if they are still fighting for... If the sixth place is already secure by then, then uh, it might be an easier game for, for Maritim. If, uh, Mar- if Guimarães still needs a win 
to secure the sixth place at this time. Then we'll be tricky again in the last game of the season. We'll be sporting in in Alvalade. Either way, even sporting is already uh, he already won the title by then. Would they still want to finish strong because they're going to try to go the f- f- if by then they still have the chance for sure they're going to play the strongest team to try to go the whole season without defeat so they might win the next game and and it's done but if they don't win the next game then I can see a, a last uh, three games of the season quite quite tricky for them. Okay, to be fair, you make you make good points. I still think, to be honest, I mean if you're looking at those fixtures, I think they'll take. Um... I think they'll take another four points from from those four Ooh. games. To be honest, I think I think there's a win in there. I don't know who it's against. I don't know whether Plasus is away is again. Silver Centre home, uh, Victoria at home. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then, as you say, going into the the last day of the season, it, it, that's the one game that I can see them getting nothing from because even if they manage to stifle Sporting for for ninety minutes. You know, for fact, Sebastian Quartes is going to score in the 95th minute anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so it's, 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 it literally doesn't matter. You, you, sporting the, the team at the moment that just cannot be denied, <laughs> even when you think, you know, Maritimo, I think, could be 3 0 up and, and Sporting could still come back to win 4 3. And uh, so, now, but all, all jokes aside, I do you think they it's going to be such an incest and one going into. And, it, and it's. it's there's a reason why we devoted the whole relegation podcast to it, you know, an hour long speaking about it, is because, especially in recent years, I haven't felt this gripped. I haven't felt this sort of drawn in by the relegation zone. And, and we made um, the, the observation early on, uh, well, earlier on in the season, when we said there hasn't been one um, whipping boy, as it were. There hasn't been one team who are a guaranteed three points and they get relegated on like you know they, they finish the season on like 13 points or something stupid whereas th- this season is is sort of teams have shown that they can take points off each other and also obviously the um the fact that we now have the, the relegation playoff is is exciting as well the the fact that you've got that uh, that that sort of playing against a team fighting for their life to come up into the Premier League and obviously secure everything that comes with that, um, sort of the glitz and the glamour of playing against uh, yeah. you know, Portugal's best and, and brightest, and then obviously the financial uh, effect that it has, and then you've got a team again on the other hand, 16th place team who who desperately don't want to drop into into the Segunda Liga for you know this this a league which has got talent in it, no doubt, but you want to be playing in the top flight. It's the same in in, in any country, so. Very, very, very interesting one. I think we'll uh, we'll probably have to revisit that relegation pod, and I yeah. might every week we're going to be talking about it because yeah, it's it's, it's not so it's not going to go away, is it? It's yeah, no. it's not going to go away. And I think... and and yeah, just just one quick on. remark on that because a lot of people um, are comparing this playoff spot as uh, with the the German league, the Bundesliga, because they're basically where they copy it from. And in in Germany, is uh, I don't I don't remember, but probably in the last twenty years, only twice the the second division team was actually able to to win the playoff and and move up. But in in Portugal, it's different uh, because right now it would be Boa Vista against Academica, and it's not a fact that Boa Vista would win against Academica. Oh no, because no, the teams are a lot more closer than yep. than um, than in in Germany. So. Mm-hmm. Is not a fact that the 16th place will be will be safe because 
Either way, if he's academic, if he's Vizela, if he's Feirense, if he's Chaves. Doesn't matter. They're uh, all capable of because... giving them a game. Yeah. yeah we saw all... that with, with um, Estrela this season, obviously. Yeah. Estrela are, t- are top and they won't be sort of. They're not entertaining that playoff. They're, they're, they're too good for that. But we saw there with that, that sort of quality and you think when you, you face a Segunda Liga side and you think right there'll be a drop off in quality still I think they, they, they ended up knocking knocking out two or three Premier League get, uh, teams on the way to playing Benfica and then obviously they, they got knocked out there that was a, a bridge too far but they I think they made a lot of people sit up and think as you say there you, you summed it up perfectly the, the bridge between the sides is a lot closer than, you, than you'd think I think especially this season whether that's because the sides at the bottom in the Premier League are, are, are poorer or the teams in the Segunda League are better. I don't know. I couldn't give you an exact reason as to why that is. But as you say there, whether it's Bovista, Rioa, Fumilacau, um, they go up against, you mentioned there, Aruca, Vizela, uh, you know, Academica. It, it doesn't matter. And the game is such, there's such big implications for the game itself that, Obviously, there's a whole other side of it, the pressure and stuff. But it's um, definite. I can't. To be honest, I can't wait for the playoff game. I can't. I cannot yeah. wait for. I cannot wait. Can't wait until we know what two teams are playing each other. And uh, as you say, the Bundesliga, they it's probably got to the point now in the Bundesliga where they go into those matches and they already sort of know the gap in the quality is probably too too big. And hence why, as you say, they're two times in the last maybe twenty times or whatever it was. Whereas in Portugal, I don't, I don't think you'll get that. To be honest, I don't think the the uh, Segunda Liga side are just going to roll over and and you know have the belly tickled. I don't think it'll be like that way at, at all. So, really looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to have to put some stuff into the into a podcast in the future from take little excerpts from our relegation podcast and see what we got right and see what we got wrong. And, we'll, and, <laughs> I, and, I, and I'll play, I'll pl- what I'll do, what we'll do, I'll, I'll play them. I'll get them ready, the clips, and I'll play them live on the, on the podcast and we'll have to oh, listen back. And then we'll have to comment because I'll have had some, some, some bad ones. Um, and I'm sure you will, but to be fair, we'll have got Quite a bit. We got national uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got we got national right. Sorry to any uh, national supporters. National fans, yeah. But you're the you're the yeah. That's that's the thing we got uh, sort of right. I I know you just want Maritimo to go down just so you can say that. Ah, I predicted it. <laughs> you don't want to be wrong. <laughs> Whereas I I'm okay with being no, wrong. To be but... fair, like I, I there's one team that I'm more worried about than than Maritimo. I still think they're not 100 percent safe, but I really worry. about about Riwav. Yes, that's because, what I was going to ask you to get on Super Yeah, City. that's that's for me the team that will be, uh, because they have two games at home, but both of them, one is against Sporting uh, on Wednesday, and then obviously uh, the other one is against Porto. And thinking that uh, the two home games, which in theory will be the ones that you are uh, more tend to, to win, it's, it's, it doesn't make it easy at all. And then just to, to keep it in the contest, then they play as well. Um, Santa Clara, which not going to be easy either, because Santa Clara, by the looks of it, is going to be fighting for for the sixth place. And then in the last game, then yes, they have a, a easier game in terms that if we think Nacional is already relegated by then, they go away in Madeira to to play Nacional. So, um, and I know you have a very uh, juicy uh, stat about uh, Rivov. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. I've, I've completely forgot all about that, to be honest. The um, Yeah, that was a very, very juicy stat. So, at the moment, and it sort of supports what, what Philippe is saying there about... And I was speaking a little bit earlier as well, that they're in a sort of position that will deceive you in the table if you just look at the column of 1 to 18 and you look at them in 14th place and you think, eh. But it's... Is sometimes that league position can be a little bit deceiving. So they are actually the the only side in the Premier League at the moment who haven't won a game in their last five games. So every single side from from Sporting right at the top, Dancing National in 18th, have managed in their last five games to at least have won uh, once. So, but past us are, are sort of uh, they 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 they're getting there. They, they've they only got one win in the last five. Santa Clara got one win in the last five. Morinense one win in the last five. Um, uh, Gilles Vicente one win in the last five. Familia Cal one. Bovista one. Ferenc one. Nacional one. But the one thing that sticks out uh, with the Chioav is draw, draw, defeat, draw and draw. So it's it, it's not looking good for them to be fair. Um, f- you know, four points out of a possible war. 18 so the and then you mentioned there the two fixtures you usually want your your two home games to be against you know teams who are sort of you know you, you think you've got you know a 50 50 chance going into the game with and then the away games you sort of take them as you know if, if you're playing away against Benfica or Sporting or Porto or Braga or Guimarães you're probably thinking you know there's less of a chance for us here today so if we don't get anything we never expected anything but in this case you say that the two home games are against first and second in the table. I mean, it couldn't it couldn't be uh, it couldn't be tougher for them if it tried. So very interested to see what happens there. And the thing is with Kiowav as well is they've got talented players in there as well. They've got some some players that I like. I mean, there's there's a lot of players that especially Sporting Easters listening to the podcast will will be aware of because there's so many ex ex um, Sporting Easters that are, that are there. Uh, players that you know can do a job and are talented, like some Giraldes and, and the Gelson Dallas there, uh, Camacho, Carlos Mane, uh, you know, and and just to name those those um, those sporting geesters. So, I mean, someone's got to go. That's the thing. Someone's got to go down. You can always go through a team, I suppose, and say, well, they've got this type of player, they've got this player, you know. And we do that all the time. We say, oh, you know, I cannot believe they're down there when we speak about like the likes of Bo Easter and even with in terms of the way that they play, the fact they've got someone so dynamic in, in gold, but as you say, someone's got to, uh, there's got to be another team who goes down alongside Nacional, so that's, that's uh, and I'm the saying that is, of roasts that we are giving to Nacional in this no, podcast no, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you know what though what's mad is, is if they uh, we're saying they're definitely down with friends, aren't they? Nacional only need to win one game and they go level on points with friends and, <laughs> and, and two points behind Bovista. So it's definitely not done for them. I mean, they've won more games in the last five than Rio have. So, I mean, <laughs> if there's any hope, it's that those switch positions for, for Nacional. But, um, yeah, it's been... It's been um, Very interesting indeed.
And now we move on to predictions, which is Philippe's favourite part of the show. By far. By, <laughs> yeah, his favourite. This is the only reason why he does this podcast. He, I'm he, only he, doing this just to give my... It, but I'm losing the game. <laughs> I know. It was supposed to be an no, ego boost. You, you said... It was in the contract. You said, I'll only do the podcast for Prosimus United if... If I can integrate some sort of prediction game, where just I can... to show how good I am, and then it's not working whatsoever. <laughs> you came up against me. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Right. Good. On, Are what... you ready? What have we got? We have three absolutely crackers today. First one, obviously, uh, I think it's easy for you to guess which game it is. Benfica uh, oh. Porto. <laughs> I don't have to ask who's at home this time. I know full well. <laughs> Uh, see my heart saying one thing but my mind's just saying just say a draw and then that way that way it's it's the safe option um, I am going to go with a draw I'm going to go with an X I'm going to okay. go with an X, X I'd, I'd be more if I'm being honest if I'm being honest I'd be more leaning towards a Porto win than Benfica. I think they'll trouble them more than Benfica. But I, just, I, I don't know. I just can't see it, to be honest. Yeah, I'll go with a draw. Okay. I went for Porto win. Uh, like I've been speaking about throughout the podcast, I think when there's the strength of the team match, the weakness of the other team is quite hard to, to look past that. Then the other games, we're going to go to the Segunda Liga. Uh, so we have two big games uh, this week. First one, Vizel against Feirense. And before you ask, Vizel is playing at home. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with a Vizela. I is that? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Vizela. I was All about right. to say, did we do a prediction for this? Yeah, as we a did. Com- well, yeah, as we uh, our own conversation in a podcast that will never be aired because. Yeah. Um, we'll just say technical difficulties <laughs> scheduling difficulties yeah, yeah I'm going to stick with that yeah Vizella. well then yes you went for Vizella win back then as well I actually I went for Vizella win but I had time to think about it and I changed it to a draw okay which means if Vizella wins it's just going to be even more painful <laughs> for me yes yeah, yeah. Uh, but I went for a draw um, cool now the other one is Academica Third place against Eroka. Fifth place. I'm surprised by your prediction, by the way, on this one. Oh, is this the one that my heart was telling me Eroka were gonna win? Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've changed now. I think Academica will win. <laughs> so it just shows what like two or three days, you know, just mulling over it. Yeah, I think it was because I was actually I was on Academica's. Uh, I was watching the highlights from from a game earlier on, and I think they're now just stuck in my head. And I'm thinking, yeah, they'll they'll get a win because because uh, Aruha have faded down on the table as well, aren't they? Are they, they is it the fifth? They they six. So basically, sixth. Academic is on third yeah. place with fifty five, and Eroki is on six with fifty three. Yeah, that was a mad show for me to go with go with the Rucher away. No, I'm I'm going with the Coimbra, the Coimbra side, Academica. Oh, okay, okay. It changed completely. <laughs> uh, I went for a draw. You went for a draw. Did you go for a draw back then as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you sticking sticking to your guns? No, yeah, yeah. On this one, yes. I I trust Oroka. I, I like the the story of Oroka because last year they won the third division on the 
campeonato yeah. de Portugal. And this year they are fighting for, for promotion. Same thing with Fizela, to be honest. They moved the division up and now they're fighting to, to get promoted. Which yeah, I find it just uh, is, is, well, a mark of good yeah. uh, first good managers and second a good structure and a good finding good players that they actually yeah. need. Yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. But I think, to be honest, Philippe, that takes us more or less to the end of the podcast. It was a, a nice Portugal special. We'll be back with another podcast very soon. Actually, we're hoping to get one out on Thursday, and if not Thursday, Friday. Uh, so obviously it'll have been after the Champions League and Europa League games, and then also the the uh, the big one in Lisbon that's taking place. So very very uh, excited to to uh, and this this um, as I say this podcast this will be this won't be the last in the in the old Portuguese specials. I can I can feel that as we go into the last couple of weeks, there'll be more just sort of focused on relegation, promotion, Segunda Liga, Primeira Liga. And um, and then also we've got the European Championships podcast that are coming out soon, where we go back and revisit the European Championships from starting in 1984 all the way up to 2016 as we look forward to Euro 2020, uh, forward slash 2021. So yeah, really looking forward to that. But if uh, yeah, I think that's it. Philippe, thank you for joining me today. And um, we'll see you in a couple of days. See you later. Cheers, mate.